Support for this podcast is brought to you by North Pole Contract Services. Are you in need of somebody who can draw up an ironclad legal agreement for your business but have no clue who to turn to? Look no further than North Pole Contract Services. Whether you're looking for an inescapable employee contract, a prenuptial agreement, an adoption certificate, or a completely binding government treaty, NPCS can definitely help you. Just contact them and ask to speak to Bernard or Curtis, who are experts at slipping in not one, not two, but up to three hidden clauses within your paperwork that you will find unbreakable, so you can be sure that the terms of your agreement are being adhered to. Use promo code TISTHEPOD for 20% off. North Pole Contract Services. While some may call our contracts entrapment, we just call them covering our bases. Enjoy the show. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. Tom, your voice sounds so deep and sexy tonight. (laughs) That's what I'm going for. (laughs) It's my radio announcer voice. (laughs) (laughs) How are you guys this week? Good. I'm doing good. Yeah. Better than you're doing. How about you, Anthony? I'm doing fine. Winter sucks without all the Christmas lights. <laughs> it feels more Christmassy now than it did during Christmas. Yeah, with yeah. the snow. Yeah. But. Just cold here. No snow. Because we don't get anything fun in Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> Julie, have you seen how much snow and ice and stuff Houston's had this week? Yeah, man. Like, what the heck? We leave the dirty south and all of a sudden it gets more action than... Tulsa does. I don't understand that. I bet it's still not as much snow as the North Pole. And speaking of the North Pole, not my best transition, but (laughs) it is still back to work month. And this is, there's a problem with the workshop in this movie we're going to be covering. So that movie is Disney's 2002 sequel, The Santa Claus 2, starring Tim Allen which I think is the first sequel we've covered on this show to a movie it, anyway. It is blow. It blew me away when I realized that this movie is almost 16 years old. Yeah. That's crazy. That's I thought if this movie were a child, it would be getting ready to drive. <laughs> but Julia, how about you give us a plot synopsis? Yeah. Over the past eight years, Scott Calvin has truly embraced the role of Santa Claus, and not only do his elves believe him to be the best one ever, but so too do the children of the world. 
But his world is once again turned upside down when he's dealt two major blows. Not only has his son Charlie landed on this year's naughty list, but there's a second clause as well. Scott must get married by Christmas Eve or he will stop being Santa Claus forever. Well, that was a good one. That was well done, Anthony. I like the... Thank you. I appreciate it. Synopsis there. I'm just going to start out by saying this Santa Claus gig is really a high-level trickery. (laughs) Again, I don't know that these clauses would hold up in court. (laughs) I have a lot to say about the clause itself, but before before we get to that, (laughs) how about we do our histories of the movie like we usually do? So, Julia, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I don't. Um, I did not see this movie in the movie theaters. Um, I definitely saw it though on a TV run, likely Freeform. Um, and I think I saw it after I saw three because I remember seeing it and thinking, "This sucks a lot less than three did." <laughs> so I am um, don't know if that made me like it more because I was comparing it to the awful three but um but i like this movie i definitely have issues with it and nothing compares to the original but um yep so uh since before we get to tom's history just real quick since he brought up three the original posters and trailers for this film the first ones title for this one was the escape clause which is actually the name of number three before they switched it to the mrs claus but interesting yeah. So, Tom, how about you? What's your history with this film? Um, I don't know. I thought this was a newer movie, um, but I know I saw it at my mom's house for the first time when I was home for Christmas, um, which is probably why I thought it was newer. And um, Christine did not watch it with us, or she started and did not finish. Um, I don't remember what year this was, but it was, like I said, it was at my mom's, and she thought she really didn't like the Santa Claus movies. And it wasn't until last year that she gave them a fair try. Hmm. What did she think of this one? Just curious. Um, she did not. She doesn't really remember this one. Uh, I haven't pushed my luck too much, so. <laughs> I don't blame her for not remembering this one because ABC Family Freeform never shows this one. Yeah. I don't. Uh, we've talked about that before. I still don't get it. But. Neither. They were all three of them were on Netflix this year, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. And this Thanks one, so oddly, this one's on USA, USA or TNT a lot but the other two aren't. So there has to be a rights issue with this one. But hmm. Well, somebody's got to fight for their right to show all three. <laughs> <laughs> that could be your platform when you run for office, Tom. I will show all three Santa Clauses on one channel. <laughs> Good luck getting that Beastie Boys song. <laughs> so my history with this film, I saw this movie in theaters uh, with my parents and sister because we all love the first one. Uh, and I remember really liking it. Like, I thought it was a good sequel to the first one. And the first time I saw it, I liked it almost as much as the original. But like you said, Julia, watching it now, I definitely have some problems with it. But overall, I still like it. So mm-hmm. before we get into our problems and discuss the plot, let me just run through the credits real quick. It was directed by Michael Lembeck. And written by a whole group of writers, Don Reimer, Cinco Paul and Ken Dorio, Ed Dechter, and John J. Strauss. The music was done by George S. Clinton. And T. 
Tim Allen, Eric Lloyd, Wendy Crewson, Judge Reinhold, and David Krumholtz all reprise their roles from the original Santa Claus in this film. And they're joined by Elizabeth Mitchell, Spencer Breslin, and Liliana Mummy, Mumi, in this movie. So George Clinton, like the funk George Clinton? I was just about to ask that. Same. I have no clue. Oh, well, that's something I need to look at real quick. Very, very much not the same George Clinton. <laughs> very much not the same George Clinton. No colorful Our, dreads on this go, um a, a nice chrome dome on top with some white around the sides. No. Yeah, very, very, very white guy. Without so colors. I don't... This guy didn't do the music for number one. And I wasn't as happy with the music of this film as I was number one. No, uh-uh. it didn't feel as iconic. Nope. No, I was actually thinking that today when I was doing the outline. I was like, well, which song or melody can I use for the outro music? I think I'm probably just going to end up using Molly Shannon doing her little dinner <gasps> song. <laughs> but Yes, that is it. Super, super high point in this movie. <laughs> it really is. I just wish she would have smelled her armpits. She <laughs> <laughs> was so close to the entire time. You could tell I know. She wanted but, to. <laughs> but let's start with the general plot. Like Julia said in the synopsis, Scott Calvin has to get married by Christmas Eve. Otherwise, he stops being Santa. It's a hidden clause on the business card, which there goes my first problem with this movie. He had eight years to get married, so are we supposed to believe that no Santa Claus has lasted longer than eight years if none of these elves knew about this clause before? Oh, I didn't think about that. I don't know. I feel like it's trickery. We should not be pressuring people into marriage. That's not the foundation and start of a good relationship. It raises some serious questions about the North Pole. Because if every Santa has to be married, what the heck happened to the original Mrs. Claus when Scott Calvin killed the original Santa Claus? That's what my question was. Did Did she she die too? Or did they take her out back and have an execution? That's what I'm assuming had to happen. (laughs) I'm assuming it's a bunch of elves line her up and they all have like candy cane guns and only one of them has a bullet and nobody knows which one it is and they take her out. It's there if you it's there if you go even even a, uh, to a bigger microscope looking at the the claws. I'm sure. Oh gosh. I don't know. I, the, the whole thing bothers me because they're they're supposed to be so endeared to these people, um, to Santa Claus. But I I have this, to. The Santa Claus just died. They replace him, no question. He has to have a wife. The wife is missing. I, I really question these elves. I would not want them ha- having my back. That's for sure. I have to assume that no Santa lasted longer than eight years. I, that's why I have to assume. Hmm. I, it just makes no sense otherwise. I have to assume we have a squad of executive execution elves. <laughs> Nothing else makes sense to me, Anthony. <laughs> so, so one of, I'm starting off with my low points <laughs> before we get into the good stuff. So my other big low point in this film was... I felt like compared to the first one, even though it was done like eight years later, which makes yeah, eight years later, 
I thought it looked faker than the first one, just in terms of mm. the aesthetic of the North Pole and the reindeer and just the general effects. I really did. It bothered me. Hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Um, like when he comes down the chimney at the very end, that doesn't look as genuine and real to me. And even the reindeer look more cgi and they didn't look amazing in the first one but they looked super fake in this one they looked really bad not only did they look bad i feel like the opening scene uh at the north pole it's like it's warm this north pole looks great and then you see these really this really poor version of the elves with jetpacks for some reason flying around that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me and uh what's his face wreck in the middle of the sky also don't understand that uh he's running but not getting traction Chet? on air. chat. He's running and not getting traction on air. I'm very, I very confused. Reindeer. I really oh. hate that reindeer. Yeah. Okay. So the original poster. Are we going to talk about the reindeer? Let's talk. <laughs> let's just talk about Chet for a second, oh. because I I did not like him either. But here's my thing with him. Here's my disappointment with this film. So the original posters had Santa and his reindeer, and one of the reindeer had a red nose. So I was like, cool. Rudolph's going to be in this movie. And I thought for what they were going for with this stupid reindeer, if they wanted an outcast reindeer who Santa used to save the day in the end, they should have had Rudolph or some variation of Rudolph, honestly. Mm-hmm. Could have pulled on actual Christmas mythology for that one. I just pulled yeah. up that that cover. I mean, granted, the cover doesn't look very great. The, the artwork's bad. But there is definitely a red-nosed reindeer that we should have had in this film. I feel like I got gypped. Yeah. Mm. Chet looks like he crashed. I mean, just everything about him, his, his, the, the voice, I guess we'd say, the voice, his face, everything looks like he ran into a wall one too many times with his head first. Are we, are we being too hard? They say in the no. film he's just a baby. Are we making fun of a baby? If babies are that dumb, then yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, that's why human babies are cute. They're cute, so we don't notice how dumb they really are. <laughs> right? That's right. Um, I, Anthony, I like... you'll learn when you because oh, Anthony, you'll learn when you have kids. Seventy percent of your time is spent trying to keeping them from trying to kill themselves. <laughs> I don't like how they put that ridiculous voice on all of the reindeer. The yeah. blubbering, dumb. Ugh. No, thank you. Could have done without reindeer entirely. If if they had if if they needed that voice, then they should have just scrapped the whole reindeer thing altogether. Go back to the grunts. Yeah, exactly. What was wrong with the grunts? Comet grunted, and they they used. And I don't know the the reindeer in the first one. Comet was much more expressive, but looked more realistic, which doesn't seem like it would go hand in hand. He looked like a cartoon character in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Which disappointed me, though I still did kind of like uh, the first scene with Comet, but I'll get to that in quotes. Like, they don't even look like reindeer at all in this one, not even close. Mm-mm. No. And when Tim Allen is writing chat, like when he's on his back, I don't understand the, the anatomical layout that they're going for. Like, like how is, what position is Chet in? How is that a resting reindeer <laughs> position? And what, like... For, for Tim Allen to be sitting the way? I don't know. I just don't get it. <laughs> okay. The one other thing, one other thing they changed between the two movies that I can't stand is what they did to Bernard's character. Oh, yeah. He was such a tough, 
smart Alec straight talker in the original one. And Which we have to assume he had been for hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. He was head yeah. elf in the original one. He was still bossing them all around the workshop. And in right. this one, he's meek. He's a coward. He's kind of bumbling. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I didn't Maybe like Scott's that abusive. <laughs> Maybe Scott is more abusive than any other Santa before. And he has literally broken the spirit. of Bruno. I'm telling you, I'm going to a dark place tonight, guys. <laughs> Well, first of all, I feel like we can tell, I can tell in this film, looking at it, that there are multiple writers because I don't feel like we have one cohesive story. I feel like it's very fragmented and we're chasing, we're chasing storylines, but whichever writer got this storyline, I mean, was it, was it just so that we could, was the purpose of changing him so much just so that we could introduce a new elf that we could have? I would have rather the old Bernard being the only elf in this one than have Curtis at all, because the character of Curtis was insufferable to me. Mm-hmm. And he continues to be insufferable in the third one. He does. He's the only one that doesn't seem like an adult. Do you Maybe know what I mean? Like he actually got a real kid to play. Well, but they had real kids in the first one. That's true. But they still, like, it was a child playing an adult. You could tell that the character mm-hmm. was an adult in a child elf, child-looking elf's body. Curtis is a child through the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which I, which, which comes back to bother me because now I feel like we have child labor on top of everything else. Maybe that's the case. Maybe Santa started employing char- child labor. So you said how the film seems like it was done by a million different writers. So mm-hmm. I really do feel like the good parts of this film are, in my opinion, his the, everything going on between him and Charlie. I liked him and Charlie's. Uh, strained relationship in that one and how being santa claus i just like seeing how that evolved from the first one where charlie was so thrilled his dad was santa claus and Mm -hmm. coming to this place of resentment so Mm -hmm. i really found that story compelling and i liked the courtship storyline but where where this movie failed for me was everything with the north pole like fascist toy santa claus and (laughs) Oh my gosh. Everything, like everything at the North Pole, the really fake toy soldiers that were supposed to be intimidating and keeping the elves in line. Mm-hmm. That at the yeah. end, they just fall down from a snowball hit. I don't understand that. I did really like at the North Pole, I thought the way they, they did the fake Santa was fun. Creating like, him fake, in that machine. Yeah. Well, no, the, the physical appearance of him. Oh, yeah. Where, where they were trying yeah. to make him look plasticky. That was fun, but that's where my like of it stopped. In, you know, I, fa- I feel like, and I don't want to talk about the third one, but I almost feel like if you are taking, not Jack Frost, because I hate Jack Frost, but a maybe more toned down, not Martin Short, Jack Frost, who had that same kind mm-hmm. of resentment for Santa in the third one, and maybe had him put in charge of the North Pole while Scott was away, and then kind of shaping it to his own liking and becoming a little too enthusiastic for punishing the naughty kids, that would have worked better for me than this toy Santa Claus thing. Well, yeah. And at that point you already have the additional characters, the additional mythical iconic characters in the movie already with Mm -hmm. mother earth and father time. And by the way, love every scene, those secondary characters are in because they crack me up. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were good. Yeah. I mean, Cupid, I mean, all of them, they're hilarious. And the little bit parts they have in it are some of the funniest parts of the movie to me. And that would have nixed a need for the third movie. I right, hated yeah. Cupid. Did you didn't you? like Cupid? Todd Hockney? Mm-mm. From Usual Suspects? 
Yeah. That's probably why I liked it so much. What, what I think, what just hit me that I, as I was thinking about this uh, as the third one, Bernard's not in the third one, right? No. Mm-hmm. We see, I mean, he's aging. So was the whole purpose of Curtis to have somebody for the following, somebody to replace Bernard? Wait, so do you one? think they had a plan for the third one at this one? At this juncture? Mean, and that's what I'm asking. I don't know. I don't know. I don't either. But yeah, that's all I could think when watching this one. I was like, Jack Frost would have been better suited in this one as the North Pole villain in charge of the workshop than in the third one. It would have made, it, it would have made both stories make more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then, it, again, the third one, they could have just had Scott on this kind of more of an it's a wonderful life type journey rather than somebody tricking him into not wanting to be Santa. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I loved, I, you, you, hit, you said it too, Anthony. I loved everything to do with Charlie. I love when we first see Charlie, um, that even though he's resentful of, of Scott, He's even more resentful of Mrs. Newman and, and doing that, that graffiti work, which, again, um, I've got to be Mr. Cynical and point out the obvious here. He did not have enough room to have all of those colors of spray paint on him. <laughs> and there was no pulley system. Um, and he picked the worst possible lookout that he could have. She's in there looking to the skylight, and somehow Miss Newman walks in all the way across the gym, somehow with this giant louder without making a sound until she puts it on the wall. <laughs> um, she's much better at ladder carrying than I am. I'll tell you that much. But uh, I, I, that whole scene, I love that whole scene as she just climbs up the ladder and looks at Charlie. And then we see, we, we get this idea of who she is and her character begins to develop as somebody we don't like. They did a really good job of developing that story and, from and, the get-go. And, they're, and they bring so well together too. Like you already see he resents both of them separately. And then when yep. he finds out his dad had the audacity to go on a date with her, mm-hmm. like that whole scene where he confronts his dad was really good. And actually mm-hmm. I have it down for quotes. Tom, can you read it with me? Can you be Charlie and I'll be Santa? Yeah. Oh, this is fun. Just, it's just, just something new. <laughs> yeah, I figured. <laughs> why not? I just think it's a really good, well-written scene. So like you, could, you could be Charlie, Tom. How could you pick her? I didn't. You don't care anymore. I care more about you than anybody, but it's a two-way street. You won't confide in me. You want it? Here it is. What? Talk to me. I don't live a normal life. You live a great life here. Just listen to me. My friends go around saying, my dad's a plumber. My dad's a pilot. My dad's a dentist. You know what? My dad is the best thing of all, and I can't tell anyone. You have no idea how hard it is walking around with this secret. And now you're going out with the principal Newman and you don't, fe- you don't even tell me about it. My whole life has become about secrets and I hate it. I'm sorry. Forget about principal Newman. All right. And forget about Santa. I'm done. My time's up. Who cares anyway? We nailed that. Oh, job, <laughs> that was so, so teenage, teenage angsty. But so well written. It is. like he has legitimate complaints. He really does. Mm -hmm. He does. And it's stuff that I would not have thought about with the first Santa Claus as as Charlie trying to grow up in this role. And and there's, and this is where like, I I really do like this movie, but had the people who wrote like this scene done the North Pole stuff too. Like I have to assume the people who wrote this scene didn't write the Bernard Curtis toy Santa stuff. No, it's a totally different tone all around. 
Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you guys think of Star Charlie's stepsister Lucy? Is she only, because I kind of got the feeling she was only in there to kind of take on well Charlie's old. We need a cute kid believing in Santa type thing. I liked her. I really like her. <laughs> I love her. Plus, it gives him even if there was no third movie, it gave him the chance to um the perfect person to tell a secret to right at the end and mm-hmm. to kind of live vicariously through her rediscovering that. And it gave him ownership of that. So even if there'd been no third, she had a place, an important part, I think for his arc. She did. And, and you see Charlie, Charlie develop as her brother in this need to like be her big brother, to be her caretaker and look out for her. It was sweet. It was yeah. just, it added, it, it, the storyline, but it also developed some depth in Charlie in a different way. Mm-hmm. And she's cute. And she, she, she's, and she's totally the one who kind of knocks sense into Charlie, too. She's the one who she says, is. you can't stay mad at him forever. He's your dad and you love him. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. very blunt. I think, uh, I do think it's weird, though, calling your mom's ex-husband uncle. That just gets into some weird. Yeah. Um, she calls him Uncle Scott. I'm just like, no. This is getting so, weird. So that's another one of the developments I loved from the first movie is how ever since finding out Scott was Santa Claus, Laura and Neil are totally Neil totally has like this man crush type thing on him. <laughs> and, and, and Laura even appreciates him more. Like they're so excited when he comes to visit. Mm-hmm. And when he gets there and Neil has to get that big hug, like it's not just a handshake. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> again, again, it's the same thing we said with the last one. I know I'm, I'm repeating uh, our, our thoughts here, but uh, they make Neil so approachable, so great. He could have been the bad guy in any of these, mm-hmm. but they, they develop this. They do develop this. I mean, as far as a horrible situation of divorce, they have kind of this idyllic, weird, non-traditional family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yep. And it's great. Yeah. It is. I like how there seems to be no hard... I have a lot of, like, Neil and Laura quotes and we get to quotes, but I yeah. just love that there are no hard feelings at all trying to help her ex-husband find a, uh, find a new wife. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's really funny. I'm just reliving all of those scenes with Neil and her, and there's, again, some of my favorite in the movie. They're small, but they're perfect. And I do love the courtship that Scott and Carol go on. I do too. I mean, it's it's accelerated. I mean, the timeline, exactly. But they had to for the movie. Well, so it's accelerated, but it's no. More, it's but. more believable than Hallmark acceleration. I hope a lot of the time. It is, and I don't. I I think the acceleration becomes a little more believable when we add the element of the Christmas magic that Scott is expending yeah. at a quicker rate than he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, two of my favorite scenes in their courtship. The magical sleigh ride to the faculty oh. party. Was, my favorite, my, that was my favorite scene of the whole movie, following yeah. the faculty party. It was so yeah. beautiful with the lights. Mm-hmm. And it was it literally, was. you saw it was his magic doing it all. Yeah. He, yeah. The little snow cloud following that. Oh, it was just it oh, I know. so I love perfect. That. Oh, I just smiled that entire time. As soon as they step foot outside of her front door, like I'm smiling. And I can't help it. Yep. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm smiling like an idiot. <laughs> and the faculty party. Talk about, a, like, that's a cool throwback to the first one where he kind of melts Laura and Neil's hearts at the end by getting them the gifts they always wanted as a kid. So when he pulls out the whole bag and gives all these 
adults their child their favorite childhood toys. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved it. I did too. Well, it, it makes sense really, for really Santa happy. too. No, it, it totally is. But that was one. I don't know. That was you just never really see that in movies. Santa no. doing something like that for a group of adults. And yeah, I love it too. So you do see it. You do see the it being dated a little bit there, though. Like when he's looking at his watch, it's not just like an Apple Watch or a smartwatch. Uh, that, that's saying it's his time's up. I I have no doubt if it was made today, it would be a little smart screen, literally saying "time's up." Oh, see, yeah. that would make me sad a little. I think. Oh, me too. Um, can we talk about Carol for a minute, though? Did there were a lot? Yeah. Of I feel like they molded her. Definitely a little, at least a little bit intentionally off Jessica and Santa Claus is coming to town. Right down to him giving her a porcelain doll as a gift at, at yep. the story, at the party. Yep. They, which is cool. It's, it's just like we saw in Elf. They're, they're continuing the homage of the, what Rankin Bass did to Christmas movies. Or did for Christmas Entertainment. Yes, totally. I loved it. And and speaking of Elf, I know this movie was made before Elf, but Curtis mentions at the beginning in the Elf handbook, it says elves are more productive when they're singing, when doing their work, when they're listening to music and singing. Oh, I didn't even pay attention to that. I didn't either. So a thin white duke on Reddit told us that he always liked the idea of teachers having, uh, of the teachers getting their old school games. He said he's a teacher and could feel that this uh, could happen more often at staff parties. See, thinking it would be something great uh, and could see teachers actually doing this and this being realistic to him. If I was there, I would have had a blast. That would have been so much fun. <laughs> what, would you, what, game would, what game would you have, un- would you have opened, Julia? Um, Mystery oh, date game? Gosh, that's really hard. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to make a call back to the first Santa Claus episode where I said, is that what you wanted? <laughs> and, and listener out there, Julia got up and walked away. She's just done. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Anthony? What game would you have gotten? Out of everything or just the ones in the movie? Out of everything, like your childhood game. Oh, I don't know. That you that you never got or that you always wanted. I'm just gonna You know what game I never got that I always wanted was Mousetrap. I never <gasps> I got loved Mousetrap. Mousetrap. But my friend had Mousetrap and I remember asking to play it every time I went to her house. So that's the that's probably the game I would ask for or would get and be surprised by. That was Operation for me. I always wanted Operation. Never had it. My next door neighbors did, and they didn't like it. So uh, when we play games, I mean, the, the few times we played Operation, it was a very begrudging experience for them. You know, for me, it would have been 100% Operation. You know, a board game I've never played? What? The, the Game of Life. Oh, <gasps> That's one of my favorites. That's a fun game. Okay, so there you go. I would ask Santa for the game. He would pull out oh, the Game of so Life good. for me. <laughs> We Christina? played lots of games growing up, though. Did you, Tom, with your family and Anthony? Did y'all play like family game night a lot? All the time. Yeah, not we did until too. I got older. Okay, we did a lot of life, and we did a lot of sorry. Those were our two favorites, and then Uno, as far as card games go. My favorite board game as a kid was Clue. I love Clue. Clue is so fun, and I, I never played Clue too. as a kid. You did it, and I've never seen it's- the movie. Oh, the it's, movie's oh, like a classic. Never seen the movie. Oh, Tom. Oh, Tom, you've got to see that movie. Oh my gosh, you've got to see that movie. I'm shocked and flabbergasted right now that you've not. It, it was just never part of something for me as a kid. It was, which is super weird thinking about it now because there's questionable material. But man, I saw that movie young. What did you guys think of 
Carol Newman's very character-building story about her youth and Santa Claus. It felt very Christmas movie-y. Yeah. Okay. I, I've never heard of somebody putting a cot by the fireplace. I've heard of people sleeping on the couch waiting for Santa and then just falling Well, but they, she said the cot was for Santa. Oh. He got to, tired. Oh, oh I didn't catch that. Didn't she, well, though, yeah, make make a joke about like you know as if he'd have time to nap like she was just kind of making fun of how ridiculous she was yeah i guess it was scott that said that she said there was a cot by the fireplace and he said as if he'd have time to nap but she never clarified if the cot was for santa or not so i just assumed that's what she meant i don't know i thought that was interesting but i had i i I didn't catch the i mean i wasn't i guess paying enough attention but i i understood that she was like waiting up for santa but she she mentioned though the same thing that happened with me when i lived out carrots to the reindeer they'd just be nibbled and as if santa brought them back down the chimney <laughs> the whole the whole the the the, the whole con- the concept here really doesn't add up if we have santa and he's bringing all these kids gifts why do no adults believe do they well, not that, question, question where these gifts come from? Do they not see the gifts? Well, well the gifts that's my whole... It, it just, it's dumb. That's my whole... Well, that's every Christmas movie with Santa, right? Most, uh, it yeah. is. But this one did irk me when Charlie does say to Lucy, most kids get to stop believing... Most kids stop believing in Santa, but you get to believe in him your whole life now. And I was kind of thinking, well, if Santa exists in this world, why do most kids stop believing in him if he's still going down the chimney. I don't know. Unless he doesn't bring gifts to people over a certain age and then like he stops coming to that house. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, but you can't overthink that in a Christmas movie, Tom. That's every Christmas movie. <laughs> but they just make, it's just such a recurring theme throughout this. Yeah. I don't know. Back to Carol's growth. I thought her growth She should get that good. checked out by a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I will not be able to stop picturing that in my head. Um, yeah, her growth was good, although accelerated, right? I feel like she went from super horrible witch woman to laughing giddily in a very short amount of time. But I also understand why that had to happen. Well, you know what sold the relationship for me, though, was... And it, yeah, it happened accelerated. But when she opened up to him on that sleigh ride and then he put himself out there at her apartment later on, which is really good writing. And that's the scene I have. If you want to act it out, Julia. Yeah. Yes. I really liked the writing of that scene too. Just him putting himself out there and yeah, her thing. Yeah. Their chemistry was great. I had zero problem with that. Um, Yeah. I I really, I enjoyed that and it was believable to me. Okay. Okay. So there are things about me you should know. Personal things. We don't need to rush things, Scott. I think you need to know these things. Okay. Um, remember the mistletoe, how it just showed up? Yes. And the sleigh, how magical that was? Yes. Secret Santa Claus, that was me. Yeah? I'm not this size much. I'm usually much bigger than this. So am I sometimes. I have a big white beard that's beautiful. I don't. (laughs) I work a long way from home. When I get back home, I sleep for a long time. See, okay, it's not so bad so far. You work far away from home and you sleep a lot. You've never been to prison and you don't wear socks with sandals. Well, I'm Santa Claus. 
What? The suit. The red suit's real. The North Pole is a place. There are elves. They make toys. They're beautiful, and it's real. I exist. That's not funny. It's magical. Cut it out. I'm telling the truth. I told you something personal from my childhood, and now you're just making a joke out of it, and it's not funny. It hurts. I know how hard this is to believe, but connect the dots. Think what's happened. I I know what's going on. Think about the little girl. You felt something for me. Now you're acting like a mental patient because you're scared. I deliver gifts in a sleigh. I go down chimneys with burning logs, and I still deliver gifts. I'm not scared. That's not what this is. If you're trying to push me away, it's working. Carol, don't make me leave, please. Like, oh, that scene was hard to watch for me. Like, I felt really bad for him, putting himself out there. Yeah. And then just seeing her totally, like... But I felt bad for her, too, because, I mean, would you believe it if somebody said that to you on a date, Julia? Oh, heck no. (laughs) A first date? (laughs) Definitely not. Yeah, I, I... I like ever since, so my favorite part of the start of their relationship is when that little girl comes up to him in the park before they're about to do community service and she starts telling him what she wants for Christmas. And you can sort of see that softening in Carol's face. And like from right then I was like, okay, I'm in it. I'm in this relationship. I really like it. I'm, I'm going places with it. And so I, I liked it. Yeah. I li- well, that's one thing I liked about, I like about the Santa Claus and this movie universe is that, kids just instinctively know who he is, even though he didn't look mm-hmm. like Santa at all anymore. Mm-hmm. And then he used his magic, uh, whatever. I mean, he used part of his magic to know her name. And I yeah. love that because the Santa really cares about his job. He loves what he does. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of him, not the look- children. <laughs> the children love the books. Love the books. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> But, like, speaking of him not looking like Santa anymore, I thought they really did a good stage with his different stages of before he reverts. Like, the middle awkward stage. I thought Super like, awkward. Before Super he reverts completely back. Yeah. But Which it, it looked realistic, with, I thought. It did. It worked great, though, with the Neil sweater and the minivan. It was, yeah. it was perfect. Oh, I love the Neil sweater scene. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But... Okay, but what I was saying about that scene with Carol is that, yeah, so what sold the relationship for me, even though it was accelerated, they both put themselves out there, and the scenes that in which they did were written so well, and you could sense their weren't comfortable doing, entirely comfortable doing it, and you could sense their nerves, and then their heartbreak when it kind of fell apart there for a few minutes. Like, mm-hmm. again, those scenes and the scenes with Charlie, it felt like it was from a different movie than the North Pole stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It did. Um, it didn't have Curtis, so that was a plus. The desensitization progress had begun. No. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Think of all the Breslins. He's my least favorite Breslin. Yeah. There's a lot of those Breslins, isn't there? Or is there just two? It's Abigail and him, right? I only know of oh. sister. Still, she's so, my, she's so much better than he is. Uh, Abigail Breslin? That guy. Yeah. You can't even see him so well. That <laughs> but, guy. Uh, <laughs> but before we move into favorite quotes and favorite scenes and stuff like that, we didn't really talk. I mean, we talked about the things we didn't like the North Pole, but just in terms of that plot, like, how do oh, you? I like Is none it... of that. If they could have cut that part completely out of the movie, I would have been happy. I 
punk Santa. He's a super jerk. He's a toy, and he, I, I don't like any part of that movie. It, it just didn't make sense I don't to like me. That part of the movie. I didn't make the elf fear of this toy. Just didn't make sense to me. Again, I just <laughs> it, it would have made more sense to have like Jack Frost or somebody else like that in the role instead. Exactly. He would have been more intimidating. He could have froze somebody who disobeyed him rather than like having a stupid tin toy soldier lock him away or whatever. Right. But, yeah, I didn't like any part of it. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even like... I don't know. Whatever, let's go. Do you guys have anything else to say about the plot or should we move into favorite quotes and stuff? Favorite quotes and scenes. I'll take that to be favorite quotes and scenes. Yep, I was looking through my notes, but yeah, nope. Okay, so one of my favorite quotes is during the party where Santa gets all the toys out for the faculty. And my favorite Scott Calvin is dry, witty Scott Calvin. And I like it when he says, it's a great party. Look, that guy moved. And that makes <laughs> it's real quick, but it made me laugh. Look, that guy moved. So I liked when... <laughs> My first Neil quote, I like when Neil and Laura and Scott are talking about the fact that he needs to find a wife. And um, Neil's like, I'm going to go out on an emotional limb. And Scott's like, don't try to make me cry. And Neil's like, believe it or not, you have a great capacity for love. I know you can find someone wonderful to spend the rest of your life with. Don't let the facts that you have no time, no prospects, and a paralyzing fear of intimacy get you down and scott's just like have you ever helped anyone ever (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i really like the scene where neil loans scott some clothes scott says neil are you sure you don't have any other clothes i can borrow i mean the idea tonight is to attract a woman so what are you talking about scott says i look like a lime sickle and then um scott turns and, and gets laura involved what do you think, Laura? Honestly, what do you think? Uh, Neil's like, doesn't he look hot, Laura? And Laura says, I think it's on what's on the inside that really counts. Neil said, I thought you liked the sweater. And Laura says, we'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> Just one of those awkward moments you have as a married couple where your wife is far too nice to tell you what she thinks and make you look embarrassing for your friends. <clears throat> I, I'm going to finish that quote for you because I like the back half of that quote. And Scott's like, I'm off. I may need to borrow a car. And Laura's like, I'm parked behind Neil, the minivan. I just had it washed. And Scott's like, the minivan. Okay, then. Wish me luck. I got a needlepoint sweater and a minivan. See you in about eight minutes. And he just walks out. Of the <laughs> um, so I like um, the character Mother Nature in general. I think she's super funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning, I like when she says, don't mess with me, Santa. I'm pre-El Nino. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so I like when they're shoving, they're trying to tell Scott about the Santa Claus. And he doesn't really understand the significance of it. He's just kind of reading it like blah, 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 blah. So it's in front of the magnifying glass. And it's like the cardholder acknowledges the woman of his choosing, true love, not valid in the state of Utah. Holy matrimony? I got to get married? And Bernard's just like, yes, it's the Mrs. Claus. <laughs> yeah, the Utah thing made me laugh. So I like when Lucy is 
she's putting everything together. She's a smart kid. And she comes up to Scott and says, Uncle Scott, are you Santa Claus? Scott says, what makes you think that? Lucy says, because you have a reindeer. Scott says, lots of people have reindeer. Lucy, name five. It's <laughs> <laughs> just such good kid logic right there. I'm going to throw, if we're doing favorite quotes and scenes, I know we've already mentioned it, but it bears a second mention. Um, Scott Calvin's dating scene with Molly Shannon's Christmas obsessed want to be a country music star scene is sublime with Tim Allen on her shirt. It's a Tim Allen Santa. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that she wears the charm bracelet all year long so she can keep it alive all year long. I looked at that and I'm like, that's us guys. That's straight up us minus the Shania Twain rendition of. Okay. When she's doing that rendition, the look on his face when she's (laughs) just the embarrassed look as he's looking around while at the same time trying to pretend he's into it and not. Really? Oh my gosh. I wonder how much of that was improv because I feel like it would be a lot. Yeah. You know? It's I mean, Molly Shannon. Exactly. Well, and, and, Tim, and Allen. Tim Allen. He was yeah. a comedian. Well, first stand up comedians that he would be able to perpetuate the scene. He wouldn't stop it once she's going. So I'm really curious <laughs> as to how much of that was off the cuff. I would love to know that. I love her response, though, at the end. You know what? I totally put myself out there doing that. And that was not an easy thing to do. And if you're not the kind of man that can't support a woman's ambition, then I don't think there's any reason to continue the state. <laughs> when her ambition is singing Shania Twain songs remade for Christmas. I love it. So I like when they're all in the principal's office after Charlie got in trouble and Carol asks Neil for advice. So she's like, Dr. Miller. And he's like, Neil. And she's like, Neil, any theories? Well, frankly, I have several. And Scott's like, here we go. Let's just order a pizza. And Laura's like, Scott, you're not helping. I was listening to a tape on child development last night. You know what? No, you know what the problem is? Excuse me, Neil. It's four weeks until Christmas. And then he goes on this rant about how maybe if she had Christmas decorations in the school, kids would behave a little better. (laughs) From the same scene, I really like it when... uh... They're talking, she's like, well, maybe if you spent more time with your son, there would be fewer problems. And Scott says, maybe, but then I wouldn't get to spend more time with you. It's always such a pleasure. And she looks at him, oh, a battle of wits. It's a shame you've come unarmed. <laughs> so, so that little, I, I can't that, imagine what a real parent would do if a principal told them that. Oh, gosh, no kidding. So that little flirty, I mean, it wasn't flirty, but it reminded me of Santa Claus is Coming to Town, too, when he's when she's reprimanding him, when Jessica's reprimanding Chris Kringle, and he just makes a crack about the doll, like how uh, she's a hardened criminal. (laughs) (laughs) I have to mention, since it's a little Disney tidbit, right? Disney Tim Allen tidbit, that when him and Toy Santa are wrestling in the sleigh, Toy Santa says, you are a sad, strange little man. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so when they're trying to tell Scott that Charlie ended up on the naughty list, Scott's like, what are you doing with the naughty and nice list? And Curtis is like, don't shoot the messenger. It's Charlie. And Scott's like, Sheen? I thought he straightened out. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I love it. 
I do too. And uh, I love how self-aware that Principal Newman is about how awful she is at the beginning of the story when she runs into the kid in the hall who's, who's not supposed to be there. She says, I want you to look into my eyes. What do you, what do you see? And he just replies, it's dark and cold. (laughs) (laughs) So I said in the first one, I really like Scott's relationship with Comet. And even though I didn't appreciate the, how they made Comet look or the reindeer voices, I did like when Scott was trying to convince Comet to fly down to Chicago or wherever they're from with him. He's like, Comet, because I don't want to take Prancer. I want to take a trip with you. When's the last time we had a cruise? Come on. I love you, buddy. Besides, what? Prancer had too many apples. We know what that means. Comet, please just chill out a bit, okay? Come on. It's not like we're pulling the sleigh. There's no packages. It's one stop. And I think I might have forgot to mention we're going to go see Charlie. I have the name of mention of Charlie. Comet gets really excited and takes off. Yeah. And that just reminds me of growing up with pets. Like, if you mention a certain person the pet loves, they always get really excited. Yeah. But uh, I like that also because I think I said in this Santa Claus episode, I always like when Santa treats reindeer like pets instead of just Mm -hmm. transportation. Yeah. Me too. I like that too. I love the scene with the legendary figures. I mean, the the cast there is just absolutely great. Uh, Asia Taylor as Mother Nature. Peter Boyle as Father Time. Uh, Kevin Pollock as Cupid. Mm-hmm. Art Lafleur as the Tooth Fairy. Michael Dorn as as Sandman. Um, who was your favorite legendary figure, guys? I liked the Easter Bunny. He says he has like 20,000 kids all in private school. <laughs> 33,000 children all in private school. That gives me, a, that's a weird thought when you think about the Easter bunny. I understand that bunnies multiply quickly, but 33,000? I also really like when he tells the tooth fairy, no child's going to leave their tooth under a pillow for a guy named Rory. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good. It's a good point. Actually, we didn't mention the tooth fairy. I actually really like the guy who played the tooth fairy in this film. I thought it was really Art Lafleur. Yeah, I like Father Time because me Peter too. Boyle. Peter Boyle, like who also favorite. who also played his boss in the first one. That's at right. The toy company. Oh, he did. How funny. That's right. Yep. I missed that. How funny. Oh, I love Peter Boyle. I do too. I really do. He has an episode on the X Files. And it's one of my favorite. I love that episode. I don't my, remember that at my all. Final Repose. It's so good. It I need to go watch so it. Good. I just also really loved him. I love everybody loves Raymond. Him as Frank. Mm-hmm. He was really funny. Uh, yeah, that was, I, I mean, he's done so much good stuff. He was my, he was my favorite and, and the most redemptive part of that show for me. I'm not a big real Everybody Loves Raymond fan, but Peter Boyle just seemed to... Everything he did was a hit on that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really liked, uh, I also liked when Bernard is, I mean, like we're seeing that Curtis is immature and acts like a child, but when Bernard's like, Curtis, you're 900 years old, grow up. (laughs) Just the idea of getting onto somebody at 900. Just just the idea that 900 is probably really young for an elf makes you wonder how old Bernard is. Mm -hmm. So I actually thought Scott's proposal to Carol was really cute. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Carol... You say this is happening all so fast, and for the beginning bits, uh, the little girl elf is whispering into his ear before he takes it himself. 
Mm-hmm. But it's like, Carol, you say this is all happening so fast, but you've known me your whole life. When you were a little and alone, Santa was always there for you. And I will be as long as you continue to believe in me. I know I'm asking you to leave everything at home, but I can guarantee you that this is worth it. This place, this place is all about magic and love and wonder and occasionally a thin crust pizza and a movie in a long winter night. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I just loved that summation of the North Pole. It was yeah. magical. Yeah. Yeah, that was really sweet. It was. I liked, oh, at the North Pole, what was cute when they were um, getting ready to play football and the, uh, the quarterback is behind the center and he's like, ready, set, seven swans of swimming, six geese of laying. <laughs> and then uh, who yelled? Somebody else yelled five golden rings and they say hike. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to see that. I, I really want to see a football team do that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I did not at all in any way, shape, or form enjoy the scenes at the end. What should have been a, a triumphant scene um, when Scott comes back and, and the elves are all fighting um, fascist Santa and they're, they're throwing the snowballs and knocking down the toy soldiers. That just was not enjoyable to watch. Mm-mm. I didn't enjoy any of the stuff on the ground. I liked the struggle in the air for the sleigh. Yeah. Well, I mean, because that, that was Tim Allen being... Tim Allen, Tim Allen times two, um, where the the town will break or fall. <laughs> <laughs> when I do decide to go skydiving, that's going to be one of the last things I say to my uh, tandem guy is, don't worry, this town will break or fall. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it positive, guys. <laughs> so, so I liked when Scott first comes home. And Laura's always like, how do you know when there's a pro- How do you always know when there's a problem? And Scott's like, I see you when you're sleeping. I know when you're awake. And Neil's like, which is a pretty frightening concept when you think about it. <laughs> Very self-aware. <laughs> I love that. <clears throat> I felt so bad. I did feel, well, going back to legendary figures, I felt so bad for the Tooth Fairy. He's trying so hard to be taken more seriously. And uh, I, I, it shows some f- how fun and sweet and kind uh, Scott slash Santa is when he offers up the name Molinator. <laughs> and he's, he's the only one who votes for it. But that, then when he needs the help from the Tooth Fairy, he, uh, he, he, he gives him that boost of confidence by calling him Molinator. It was just, it was, it was well, well thought out. I thought it was a stroke of like genius too to cast the Tooth Fairy as this middle-aged man instead of a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I really like the, it's not so much a quote, but the scene at the beginning when Santa's just walking through the workshop when the elves are trying to talk to him about the Charlie being on the naughty list and the fact that there's a second clause, but Santa, you just get a sense of what life at the workshop is like, and you just see him helping various elves with toy problems they're having, like, oh, take off the hat, he won't overbalance. It just shows he really embraced the role of Santa Claus, and he's actually really good at it. Mm-hmm. I, I did like when Charlie was convinced, trying to, he realized he was being a jerk to his dad, so he went to talk to Carol for him, and kind of convince her that his dad was Santa Claus and he brings back her the snow globe from the first one. I thought that was a nice little callback. And I did like that. He said, seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. Cause that was mm-hmm. what got his dad to believe that he was Santa Claus. So I thought that was good. And um, 
Yeah, so you said it was disturbing thinking about the Easter Bunny and his thousands of kids. I liked uh, after Santa and Mrs. Claus got married, and he was like, all right, well, Mrs. Claus, you may want to get some rest. You see, tomorrow begins vacation season for me, which means a three-month honeymoon for us. Nothing tropical. You do not want to see this in the Speedo. And she says to him, don't be home too late. And he's like, and so it begins. Ew, 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 ew. Although, one of the things I would have liked to have happened is when he turned into Santa Claus after they kissed, I would have liked to have seen her become the more traditional Mrs. Claus, like magic five that way. See, I wondered if after Christmas he goes back into kind of like Scott Calvin mode. You know what I mean? Skinny Scott. Well, I mean, during during the credits, you see her a lot more frumpy and with more weight. Well, like, and in three, she's, I she's, mean, she's pregnant as well, but overall, she's altered in her. Well. Yeah, but, she, she looks a little older. Yeah. She still doesn't look as, there's no way to make Elizabeth Mitchell look, you know, yeah. old or unpretty, but yeah, they yeah. definitely tried a little bit. The idea of Santa Cloitus is not very, um, exactly, refreshing <laughs> thought at all. It's just horrifying. And yeah. yet, there they were in the third one, pregnant. But <laughs> I like to think it was an immaculate conception. Immaculate Santa conception. <laughs> I don't like thinking about that. That's when I'm like, nah, I'm a little too adult to be thinking. So basically, things. basically, she's carrying the Christ too. That's so fair. is that going to Santa Christ. <laughs> You've just come up with the next B-list movie they need to make from the director of Santa Slay. <laughs> we, should, we should all be excommunicated from every religious group on the planet if that becomes a movie. So, whoever directed Santa Slay, if you want to contact us for our ideas, please just write elves at tisthepodcast.com. <laughs> So, does this movie pass the Linus test? So, before we answer that, um, I think one thing that we see in this that we haven't seen before, um, uh, well, because we haven't done sequels and I don't think they do as much, I love the beauty of how the Linus test, how the Linus moment continues so well into this. Um, so, the, the last movie, Scott passed the Linus test, right? At the end, he embraces becoming Santa. We see him develop this new character. We see that continuation of that, of, of that, change in him throughout this film and it's just really nice to see that it's warm um i really enjoyed that aspect and as for the linus test of, of course this movie passes a few times yeah. over yeah yeah like I mean, you said it continues in but then i think uh carol passes it mm-hmm. charlie charlie passes it mm-hmm. uh, we actually have the linus moment with lucy serving as Linus to Charlie. I mean, that is as Linus moment as it gets. Mm-hmm. Toy Santa never got it. <laughs> no. There is no Linus moment for, for what is it, uh, rubber faces and plastic buttocks? Is that what Bernard said? Yep. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, though. Toy Santa did uh, sum up my feelings about hot cocoa around Christmas time. When he is like going wild for the hot cocoa, and he's like, "Hot cocoa's the best. I love hot cocoa." <laughs> I love, I love that. That's the first moment that they're trying to pass him off as the real Santa, and he just downs this entire glass of like scalding hot, 
Actually, that's the question I have for you. Was she supposed to be Judy, that elf? I know they couldn't recast the same kid, but was it supposed to be her? I was researching that and I can't find it. They don't call, she's not credited as Judy in this movie. Okay. I feel but like I she think has it's supposed to be. To be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they gave her the same look, the same kind of outfit. Yeah, exactly. But, okay. okay. Yeah. That's what I assumed. Um, and Judy made the cocoa in the first one. So. Right. I mean, who else can make cocoa like Judy? Uh, Mrs. Santa Claus, played by Angela Lansbury. <laughs> <laughs> so, final thoughts on this film. It's sweet. Um, I think I like more about it than I don't like, um, although I wish a lot of the don't likes weren't in there at all. Or um, if they had taken our plot, your plot suggestions of, of smooshing three and two together, which would make you a lot better, make three not exist. Um, I love the love story. It's very sweet to me. And then the father-son stuff is always winning. So pretty much everything from the original um, are my favorite parts about this one the true characters of the original. Um, I really liked the human aspect of this movie. I think we could have done without all the North Pole. And I think if we had taken that out and developed the story even more when Scott was back, um, we could have had some great filler by doing more dates. Um, I think it would have been hilarious the whole time. I thought it would have been really funny if you would have gone to speed dating. Um, I don't know why, just the idea of Santa Claus speed dating with all of these people, knowing whether or not they're lying to him would have been really funny. That would have been um, hilarious. A great idea. Uh, I think there are things they could have done like that, and we would have not had the need for the for uh, Hitler Santa mm. at the North Pole. Um, and I think it could have been an even more endearing film in the end. How about you, Anthony? Yeah, I like this film. I think it's a good follow up to the first one. Um, I know I said when I first saw it, I thought it was almost as good as the first one. I don't anymore, but I think it's a good enough sequel i like it i do own it and i do try to catch on tv when it's on because it's not on often during the christmas season um and i still think as far as sequels go it's far and away better than number three but we'll get to that soon so let's move into ranking it so julia what would you give this one i give this movie a six tom i give this movie a 7.15 i'm going to give this an 8.85 that brings us to 7.333 ongoing seven and a third Ooh, so it's tied with die hard it is tied with die hard Look at that. So this is our second tie, because Mrs. Santa Claus and the Muppet Christmas Carol were tied, too. I was really impressed, guys, by and happy with how much uh, input from our listeners we got about this movie this week. We Me got the too. most in a long time, and it's mid-January, so I was really pleasantly surprised. Me too. You guys helped ease the Christmas blues, post-Christmas blues, with your comments. They did. I, I was surprised when I... Uh started to come out of a, another sickness funk, getting the plague for the 43rd time this year. And I looked at Facebook and uh, Reddit, and there are people talking again. Because we went kind of silent there for a little while. I think everybody was just suffering from severe depression. Or just busy with Christmas. Exactly. Yeah, because it was prior to Christmas that things oh, got that's a true. bit 
quiet. Yeah, and you know, just so our listeners know, I think most I think there's only one negative, really just flat out negative review about this movie. Most people thought just it, thought it was a fun movie in general. But it was a valid I mean it was valid points. No, uh, to- totally valid. The uh the the negative one we had was uh, a criticism of uh, especially of of Mrs. Claus's character and how she she flipped so quickly and fell in love with Scott and threw everything away to be with Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. I'll actually be interested, Rebecca, if you're listening, if we influenced your opinion at all talking about this movie. So let us know. I have to agree with what she said. It's 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 valid. It's it's reasons to be. I mean, they're valid reasons to be frustrated and and with the film, but see, I think I overlooked that. I overlooked that personally. Just oh, I don't know. Maybe I was just biased for this one because I don't overlook it with a lot of Hallmark movies, and it's very similar. But I'm actually though really. Ex- I have to admit, I know I've been hard on Hallmark, but I'm really excited to do some Hallmark movies. Oh, I have, me too. I, I have a few saved that I've and putting on like every now and then just to ease the transition from Christmas. And they're just, uh, even though I know they're not like really good movies, they're just good f- Christmas fluff. Yeah. Have you watched your atmosphere, atmosphere, atmosphere? Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Have either of y'all watched Pete's Christmas yet before it falls off on Netflix? No, no. I've got to watch that one. I want to know. I, you, I feel today. like I, I've, I've hyped it up too much. Now you're going to watch it and be like, wow, Tom, you really have a, horrible taste in movies but it's just such a fun movie yeah i saw it today when i was queuing up um santa claus 2 i'm like dang it i've got to watch that so speaking of our listeners tom don't you have some exciting news i do we got two new patrons on patreon this week um, and those those both of them got access to our super secret fun unedited version of the office christmas shows which is really long. It is so long that we couldn't upload it on Patreon. We had to upload it on SoundCloud so that we had enough storage space for it. But it is up and it is there for you to listen to. Guys, and no it's, matter, it's worth it. It's like 50 minutes. It's like a whole episode longer than the one we dropped on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to it. I was, I'll be honest, um, me being the somewhat pessimist at times that I can be, I thought, oh my gosh, this episode is so long. Nobody's actually going to listen to it. And then I listened to it and I was laughing throughout the entire thing. Like <laughs> I thought, you know, a two hour episode, I, I don't do two hour podcasts. I stopped doing uh, uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History because the episodes were just too long. But this one I did and it was in a couple, it was in a couple of, of breaks, but it was really good. So I recommend checking it out. And if you have anything you would like us to do special, um, we're working on uh, uh, some more bonus episodes I think uh, it's about time for us to dig into Batman Noel. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. I'd like to get that up if we could in February to give people uh, uh, our Patreon something special. And like we said, I think we've said it on the podcast before, but if not, like we are trying to get at least one bonus episode up per month for our patrons this year. And this year we have longer to focus on it. So we promise, promise, promise to have lots of extra content lined up for you. And, and goodies for you come the holiday season. Right. And we, ha- and we have really cool ideas, too, because we do plan on doing a Christmas commercial extravaganza at some point, too, which I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. I think I really think that's going to be a couple of episodes because that is there's just so much to talk about. Yeah, mm-hmm. there they are. So we obviously love doing this. We don't just love Christmas, but Anthony, Tom, and I really enjoy getting together and talking every week. And it kind of is above and beyond that y'all like to listen to us. Um, so if um, y'all could do us a solid, 
and not only tell your friends about how much you like the podcast, but also it's as simple as leaving a review or rating us in iTunes. Um, also liking our social media pages, all of this stuff just, I know we ask every week, but, um, the more interest we can generate for this, um, the easier it is to find the podcast and the more people that listen to it, it just kind of, it's very circular and it would make it to where we can get some better content up there for y'all and, and just better all around. Um, be sure and interact with us on our social media. Don't just like it, but talk to us because we really love to talk back. And that's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, also on our webpage, tisthepodcast.com. And um, just hang out with us because we have more fun, I think, interacting with y'all than we do anything. So Right. We really love this week, all the comments we got. And mm-hmm. we want that to be the norm, not the anomaly. And I know we don't read all your feedback on air anymore, but yeah, like Julia said, we love interacting with you still. And we still will on the various pages. So next week, we, we wrap up Back to Work Month with another problem at the workshop when we cover Disney's 2006 follow-up to this film and the conclusion of the Santa Claus trilogy, the Santa Claus 3, the Escape Clause. You really wow. think they're completely done? I do. They need to be. If they're not, I, mm, Hollywood is not giving me much hope of the fact that they know when that enough, when enough is enough. Yeah. That's true. Well, clearly because enough should have been at two, and yet they went to three, and yet they persisted. Guys, I don't get it either. But you know what I do get? I get that Christmas is coming again, and it's only three hundred and thirty-seven days, or forty-eight more weeks. Which Man, I we gotta. Prefer. We gotta, we gotta switch this up. I get the, I feel like I'm delivering the like womp womp, and Julia's coming in. Yay! You're Debbie Downer. <laughs> Guys, in fairness, in like a month, we're out of the 300s, a month and a week. I know. Isn't that crazy how quickly it's going by already? Yeah. It really is. Well, that, that's my hope. I hope like this podcast like helps us get to Christmas sooner without rushing our lives away. Yeah. But, do your homework watch the last chapter of this film trilogy which we're sorry in advance for making you watch and uh until next time we'll see you next week guys bye bye guys from your friendly rubik's cube with pants have a good week so square tom (laughs) i've been a naughty boy didn't get a toy Santa Claus left nothing underneath my tray